Hello again, it's Tom Calvard here. I'm just continuing this series of podcast episodes concerning the chapters of my book, Critical Perspectives on Diversity in Organisations. I'll be dealing in this episode with chapter six on intersectionality. And this moves into the body of the book, part three, which is concerned with elaborating on critical themes concerning diversity in organisations. Intersectionality is something that many people working in the field of diversity may be familiar with, but others may not. Um, It's got a sort of mixed status, I would argue. Um, The word itself is a fairly long, complex-sounding word, but it's also fairly well-known across the social sciences. And from the outset, the link with diversity is is a fairly powerful one. Um, I think it's quite a simple but profound recognition when you first start looking at intersectionality. And this is the idea that multiple differences operate in combination. They interact, they intersect. Very much like the metaphor of a crossroads or an intersection where differences come together. So this idea of multiple differences. But at the beginning of this chapter, I note how there's a lot of debate around the criticality or controversy about how you proceed from this basic recognition of intersectionality. Um, And right at the start, I'm keen to acknowledge the origins uh, of the concept. Um, And those who are fairly familiar with it will, will be aware of these origins, but always to bear in mind that it is rooted in critical race theory, black feminism, and particularly the work of uh, Kimberley Williams Crenshaw, a law professor, who was kind of coming up with this concept to capture how anti-discrimination laws um, fail to capture or make visible how more than one dimension of diversity can kind of interact and combine to create distinctive operations of power and oppression. So very much about race, gender and the neglected experience of black women as a particularly important originating example here. So diversity as intersectional, diversity as multidimensional. And there's been some translation of this into research on management and organisation, although, as I'll argue, perhaps not as much just yet as we might hope for or we might expect um, so it's it's a critical theory or perspective in the sense that it encourages us to to think about multiple sources of diversity at the same time and that's quite dynamic because we might shift from one perspective to another um, and not just focus on one fixed category at a time and this has also made its way this idea of intersectionality into psychology as well. And it doesn't necessarily exclude quantitative perspectives either, although we haven't, I don't think, seen much quantitative research on intersectionality to date. Another um, area of, of debate about intersectionality is how different people can see it as either a theory or a method, or a bit of both. 
I have no problem personally with seeing it as a bit of both. I'm fairly flexible in how I define what a theory is, and I think intersectionality offers us a way of looking at diversity and maybe making predictions about it or understanding it in a new way. And as far as I'm concerned, that makes it a theoretical perspective. But it's also something that carries implications for method, how we measure diversity, how we investigate it, ask questions about it, and so on and so forth. And so you've got race and gender, you've also got race and class. And so it's often this idea of race and gender combined, but race and gender and also other combinations of oppressed minority difference differences. So it could be class, it could be disability, it could be something else, it could be age. But retaining the the deep roots of intersectionality and critical race theory and black feminism seems important because if you don't do that, then I think we can say there's a risk it loses some of its critical edge. So, for example, there's a lot of research in management and organisation studies that is fairly comfortable with the idea of multiple identities, the fact that we have multiple identities and connections between diverse groups and individuals across multiple lines. But I think intersectionality provides something more critical and distinctive than that in terms of its feminist emphasis. And where it has become fairly mainstreamed, I would say, is in uh, feminist research and and, and studies of race. And there is this idea that certain combinations of race and gender are seriously repressed and oppressed through power and privilege, or in relation to power and privilege. But many questions remain, I think, about how intersectionality can be used. And a a review paper by Allison and Banerjee that I discuss in this chapter looked at research between 1990 and 2009, so a 19-year period, doesn't take into account the last 10 years or so, which I tried to do a bit more of in this chapter. But even in that 19-year period, Alison and Banerjee found that, that, that an intersectional approach was only in evidence in less than 1% of articles across all the leading journals. So whilst intersectionality may have grown in the last 10 years, for a long time since its origins and its conception, it has been uneven and partial and limited in its use in research and practice. And I say that on the one hand, this is kind of surprising because the idea of multiple differences intersecting, I think once you acknowledge that and you see intersectionality as a conception of diversity, as a critical conception, it's quite difficult to unsee it. And yet, for some reason, I think there is some sense that it remains slightly outside of the mainstream in many ways. Um, And I note that this is kind of ironic. And in another sense, maybe it's not so surprising because it simply mirrors and reflects the very power and privilege and oppression that it's that it's designed to challenge and speak out against. Um, So 
Intersectionality itself remains quite marginalised from research and practice, perhaps for some of the very same reasons it is trying to challenge. So this chapter proceeds a little bit differently to some of the other chapters in that the link between intersectionality and diversity is fairly explicit from the outset. But what I, where I go in deeper is to look at the strengths and limitations that have been discussed about intersectionality and the applications of it in light of those. Um, and so it's a slightly shorter chapter overall, but a little bit more focused on the specifics of intersectionality. So I start with the strengths. And I think, again, I use this phrase raised consciousness. I think once you see intersectionality and acknowledge it, 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 it gives you something you can't unsee. And it makes you sort of sensitive to internationally and economically diverse experiences and positions. Simultaneously, you are able to look at multiple differences, their complexity, the fact that you cannot reduce people to one category or another, and it's inclusive. You're not you're you're more, more likely to be inclusive of particular groups like black women, black working class women, or ethnic minority working class women, and those sorts of com- combinatory or combinative positions. And it's interesting to reflect on what managers and employees might do with that it could create deeper more reflexive interconnections between employee support groups and networks and instead of separating people more crudely into into categories that reproduce privilege and oppression you might be able to bring people together in more dynamic fluid ways to facilitate solidarities and other types of organizing activity And it's an interesting critical and practical combination of feminism and psychology to some degree, I think. But it allows people to choose some intersections to focus on and to be a bit more explicit about how big categories of diversity like gender or race relate to further categories like class and disability and age We, we don't need to demand too much of intersectionality. And I argue that one of its strengths is that it, it is quite flexible and it, it allows a way to make connections across different feminist debates. Maybe it isn't a theory in the sense of specifically explaining a particular phenomena or relationship, but it can be mobilised to understand oppressions and privilege across different positions and distinctive identity groups. I think there is a place for sort of messy visual metaphors and imagery, and I think this is something intersectionality also offers. It allows us a way to look at intersections, to look at overlaps and combinations in a way that certainly mainstream approaches, but even other critical approaches, don't allow us to do. And simply intersectionality's influence and ability to evolve across different disciplines, across time, and as a globally engaging idea. There's a a lot, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw and some of her collaborators and other researchers 
have already said in special issues on intersectionality that there's a lot of good work already going on in activism and in specialist areas of organisations and research that we may not be aware of, and it's suggestive of the ongoing development of the concept. Intersectionality cannot be unseen. It's never fully done or exhausted. Um, It is a work in progress in solidarity and social movements. So there's always going to be new things to apply it to and new communities and voices and organisations and organisational forms to potentially apply it to. And in the field of work, employment and organisation, it has been argued in the last five years or so that we in management and organisations have not yet significantly engaged with it. So there's a lot of untapped potential and opportunities for workplace researchers to be sensitive to intersectionality, to provide extra context to their research and not overgeneralize in ways that are problematic about gender and race. Smaller groups of researchers might want to think more about how they use it as a method in research and how they use it to analyze data. And then you've got this idea of activism and social change. And I think intersectionality really encourages researchers to promote social justice in ways that might not otherwise be realised. In psychology, in education, in HR, you have all these pre-existing agendas on well-being and inclusion and ethics and social responsibility. And intersectionality is only going to enrich those agendas further in terms of specific groups and communities why people may feel excluded or resist initiatives um, and to sow the seeds for greater understanding and dialogue and collaboration. And global problems are intersectional. The experiences of specific groups in supply chains, around migration, human rights and in trade unions, all of these cut across lines of nationality, gender, race and other differences. They are intersectional phenomena. But I then go on in this chapter to also acknowledge some of the limitations and actually some of these strengths of intersectionality I think can arguably be be flipped and argued as limitations from an opposite point of view. I think there are people who find intersectionality confusing, a little bit fragmented, as I mentioned earlier, maybe not sure how to use it as a theory or method or a way of framing a practice in an organisation or an intervention or, or even just publishing a paper in a journal, like how to how to draw some of the lines and acknowledge some of the, the context of intersectionality in a particular piece of research. And then there are the different stances you can take. Are you against the use of categories, or are you looking inside categories of diversity to try and identify subcategories, or are you trying to build connections across different categories of diversity. So it's not always straightforward about how to proceed. And I think most people working with intersectionality are quite sympathetic to that. But it's not clear how it could be mainstreamed or popularised when there's debates about the terminology and the complexity and the decisions around how to use it. 
perhaps more seriously as well, intersectionality can be used rhetorically or politically in ways that might undermine the very subjectivities of black women and feminists that it was developed to liberate and empower in the first place. It's about subjugation. It's not just about saying complexity and multiple differences. And so it's easy for black women to be pushed aside if intersectionality is appropriated by particular other groups um, who maybe misuse it or, or appropriate it in certain ways. And this is a broader issue about how to connect intersectionality with racism and patriarchy and to look at transnational feminism um, where you are, look, you are connecting intersectionality with cross-border and post-colonial issues. And in some applications, people would argue those connections are underdeveloped intersectionality is a little bit detached from geographical and historical issues so there are limitations and jennifer nash has reviewed in the last few years books that have come out on intersectionality and she talks about how it continues to occupy a curious position it is both celebrated and reviled so there are discontents and anxieties even within people who are using it. But I argue, you know, overall, um, there are some clear messages here that it needs to be applied in combination with other critical views and retain firm ties to its roots in black feminism. I then in this chapter move on to applications and how in organisational research in the last 10, 15 years, there have been a slowly growing series of pieces of research on intersectionality it's been applied to work-life balance for example and this can reveal blind spots i think this is another strength of intersectionality or in how we look at things like work-life balance it's not just about nuclear families it's not just about middle-class white heterosexual married couples and so it can be used to challenge biases and blind spots in existing research agendas the same goes for careers and women and migrant women who move around the world and have experiences in professions and organizations other studies have looked at gender ethnicity and class in terms of how people work in different groups in an organizational building and there may be a hierarchy of some of these intersectional positions around the way an office is designed, the way communication and power take, take place, dress codes, and the movement of bodies through space. Other people have looked at age, gender, and sexuality in LGBT employees, and the idea that intersectional differences disrupt organisations. They say, well, you know, I'm not just a, uh, an employee that's over 50, or I'm not just a a woman i'm an lgbt woman who's who's aged over 40 and these norms and encounters in organizations that are intersectional in nature create a disturbed space they create an interruption where categories and stereotypes can be challenged and although that might be quite oppressive for minority employees there are also opportunities for them to negotiate and play around with how intersectionality is made visible or recognised by others.
So these intersectional standpoints of ethnic and gender minorities reflect unique knowledge and what we might call unique subject positions around how people negotiate their work and interact with practices that are endorsed by those in power. So there's uneven disadvantage and struggle faced by professional migrants, digital entrepreneurs, trade union uh, uh, w- workers involved in trade union mobilizations, and these context-specific settings and inequalities have have been researched a fair bit over the last ten to fifteen years. So it's getting away from these comfortable majority notions of straightforward sort of unity and inclusion that may reproduce privilege. And some researchers in the last five or five years or so are combining, are starting to combine intersectionality with other critical lenses. So we can combine it with some of the earlier episodes of this podcast. We can combine it with history. We can combine it with institutional approaches just to understand how intersectional identities exist within wider legacies of patriarchy, um, imperialism, apartheid, and a sort of broader societal picture as well. So these applications continue to grow empirically and tensions with other approaches are explored. There is still that messiness and decision-making that researchers and practitioners have to go through in terms of the many possible combinations of two or three axes of difference. But I think often it's talking with the people involved in the organisational research decisions to get an insight into participants' lives and to really prioritise the most oppressed or disadvantaged aspects of those lives and maybe other sources of privilege within certain intersectional patterns. I ask, can intersectionality be managed? Well, probably not. Um, But I think in these empirical and theoretical debates, we do go deeper into the identity tensions and work of disadvantaged intersectional groups. So the political issue in organisations is which groups are being truly listened to or not listened to at these intersections of diversity and why. And often it reveals some local knowledge and positions of struggle that might otherwise be neglected and overlooked and subject to injustice. So I finish up looking to the future of intersectionality and diversity in organisations. I think between the 1960s right up to today, intersectionality is still primarily about combining gender and race with other oppressed uh, identities to do with class, disability and sexual minority identities as well just depends on maybe what's most relevant in a particular context. And that requires looking at the status patterns in an organisation, the job opportunities, the representation and the prospects for advancement. In some respects, intersectionality almost borders on common sense. But I think there's also a great degree of conflict and risk and sacrifice and courage in putting it into practice. And other special issues in journals continue to probe the tensions inherent to intersectionality and the limits of what it can do on its own in terms of theory, method and politics. It is set against a wider backdrop 
of democracy and emancipation. Some of it focuses on individuals and their subjectivity, their state of mind, and maybe a slightly lesser portion focuses on systemic power relations. So questions remain about how to link it to methodological innovations, how to get people participating in intersectional approaches, visually representing intersectional patterns of diversity, and as I've said, transnational organising over time in change activism and educational design as well. So the idea is how to use it in a way that is flexible um, and, and, and directed at focusing on the most important boundaries and issues while remaining true to some of the core commitments and principles of an intersectional approach. There is a real risk, I've mentioned already, that intersectionality gets co-opted by capitalist and post-feminist forces and it sort of reproduces the very positions of privilege it was designed to challenge. And some, like Helena Liu, have argued it's important that we reclaim or that diverse actors reclaim intersectionality and re-radicalise it through their own voices, biographies and histories. And I think we will continue to see this research emerge and how intersectionality is kind of empirically grounded in privilege and oppression and the different entry points and agendas people try to explore and address off the back of that. So hierarchies are important in this and I think shifting networks of diverse activities and organising. And the fact that there is this idea of solidarity and unity in there as well, that some people will, some minorities will find commonalities in intersectionality or what we might call same difference. But at the same time, there may be difference within sameness. And this doesn't need to marginalise those more distinctive lived experiences as long as they are explored within feminist, gender and ethnicity collectives. So it's these novel forms of collective organising. And I think that's where intersectionality can get really interesting in the 21st century is where you have men's groups maybe working with women's rights groups, anti-violence movements. You might have Muslim groups working with gay, queer and black engagements and women's allies, finding these extra dimensions and pathways that actually, rather than creating confusion, actually find positive contact and motivation to engage across intersectional differences. This also applies to trade unions and dealing with migrant workers and different intersectional migrant groups. So in conclusion, this chapter reviews uh, and reflects on the growing critical literature on intersectionality and diversity and relating it to organisations. I think in many ways intersectionality has everything you might hope for from a critical perspective. It's something you can use in, in, in research and, and, and you can discuss practically with people in organisations. It raises up diverse voices and, and lived experiences and it generates lively debate and reflections on its own emergence and how it, its own use. It hovers around the edges of the mainstream and across disciplinary boundaries. It's not necessarily something that has been totally appropriated by the media and misused 
it is by definition a perspective that is quite concerned with marginal and vulnerable issues and so it carries a risk of misunderstanding and fragmentation but it also shows great promise for activism, visibility and coalition building, all forces for organisational change and inclusion that I think could not be achieved elsewhere or by other means necessarily. There are many readings. There's not an obvious end state or outcome. I think Kimberly Crenshaw in her work has eloquently continued to argue that it's about growing relations of collaboration and understanding of the nuances of diversity. It's not quite a theory or method, and it, but it can be combined with other issues around institutions, histories, hierarchies, movements to reinforce its contributions. So it can be quite daunting, both for researchers and organisations, because there is a lot to discuss about how it affects theories, methods, practices and inequalities. There are different entry points. Often people may feel they can't address all of intersectionality at once and far from it they have to choose particular priorities but I think that's okay and it's okay for it to be open-ended and incomplete like that it is about the messy expansive set of intersecting differences so it has this this flexibility to it intersectionality but it will always be about drawing attention to distinct inequalities that might otherwise be masked by capitalist systems that that suggest everything is meritocratic or diversity neutral. And I mentioned teasingly at the end of the chapter that there is even a possibility of some degree of quantitative reconciliation. So I think intersectionality can continue to be communicated to different audiences, even those that may be interested in statistically mapping intersectional patterns obviously with the important caveat that you don't lose the critical qualitative focus entirely in doing so so i end on a personal note just by saying that i myself am interested to see how more diverse representations of intersectionality will continue to emerge whether they're to do with subjective experiences or political and structural critiques or other ways of demonstrating intersectional phenomena. I don't think it should be thought of as some sort of cure for diversity issues in organisations. I think even even uh, writing about it and communicating about it can can inherently be a bit of a struggle to varying extents. But I think there's also much to be hopeful about in terms of a maturing pluralism as intersectionality is applied in different ways as a critical approach to diversity in organisations. So that's it from me for this time. Next time I'll be talking about Chapter 7, which is on discourses and diversity in organisations. So thanks for listening to this episode, and I hope to chat to you again um, as you listen to another episode next time.